glad you're here today. Today we're in the fifth and final week of the hashtag struggle series that we've been doing. And we've talked about a lot of different things, but basically the overall theme is how we follow Jesus in this selfie-centered world. And today as we conclude the message, we're going to talk about how we feel driven in our society to measure up to others to perform. And so we're never really taking that time to actually rest. We, we talked about... Um, you know, the, in one of the songs we sang, we talked about resting and to be still. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Like, how do we actually find rest for our souls? Because if we're always trying to, uh, you know, keep up with our technology, our computers, our cell phones, our tablets, and, and we're trying to do our jobs and working crazy hours, uh, we're tethered to all these responsibilities, how do we find that spiritual rest for our souls? So even for those who don't spend a lot of time on their computers and phones, you can still feel overwhelmed with life, just doing life, you know, and everything you have to do, and you can feel driven to achieve and to do and feel like, you know, is this enough? It never feels like I'm doing enough. And because of that, our souls never get that time of rest. So let's start today by looking at one verse real quick uh, before we jump in, and that's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Now, he's talking about a lot of stuff in this passage. He's talking to Corinthians who were into all sorts of perverted and sinful actions. But he's telling them that in Christ we have freedom. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So he's saying that there's freedom in Christ. There's certain things we can do, but just because we can do them doesn't mean that we should do them. And he's saying, I have the right to do anything. However, he says something that's very important and powerful here, doesn't he? He says, but I will not be mastered by anything. I have the right to do some things, but I won't be mastered by any of them. See, the power of Christ in my life should be bigger than anything else in my life. I shouldn't be mastered to any kind of addiction, to food, to drink, or even technology, right? It's not just sinful things, but something that's good, if it's mastering us, if it's overwhelming us, that's not good either, and we don't want to be mastered by anything. So many people are mastered by stuff, though, these days, aren't they? They're compulsively checking. It's like they're addicted to their phones. And the default mode for a lot of people when they have nothing to do is what? Pull out the phone and take a look at it. And, uh, you know, if it dings or buzzes or rings or whatever, you know, we feel like we have to pick it up and take a look at it immediately. And it's like it's mastering our lives. I went online and there's this, uh, I just typed in addicted to social media and what pulled up were some websites and one of them was the Lifestyle website. And it said, seven sure signs you're addicted to social media. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, even on Google, they, they will tell you there are signs you can be addicted to social media. Number one is you check it first thing in the morning. Get up and first thing you do is you're checking your social media or uh, checking it at night or even worse, in the middle of the night. There are some people in the middle of the night, they're checking their Facebook or their Twitter uh, the other sign is how many face, uh, how many page visits you have per day. So, like, how many times do you check your your Facebook page? How many times do you check your Twitter? How many visits do you have per day? 
because you're worried you might miss out on something, right? Okay, the third thing is you can't do anything without sharing it. If you feel like you have to share everything, you're probably addicted to social media. Okay, here's another one. Your friends use social media as the way to get a hold of you <laughs> because they might try calling you, but hey, it's so much easier just to put it on Facebook, right? Uh, or here's another thing. Games are kind of interwoven in this because if you're on social media, you know there are these games you can play. And, and another sign you're addicted to it is you want to be just one more level several times a day. Uh, number six, it's your first choice of recreation. If you have a few minutes, you automatically go to your social media. That's your recreation for the day. Or, number seven, it's the main thing you're using the internet for, is social media. So if you have any of those things, and especially if you have more than one of them, you might be addicted to social media. Uh, if you find yourself looking at your phone rather than talking to people that are right there in front of you, there's maybe a problem. If it rings and you can't help, or a notification dings, you can't help but look at it, uh, you've got to know all the time what's going on. You might have what psychologists call nomophobia. You ever heard of nomophobia? In the Scientific American Journal online, uh, it had an article called Scientists Study Nomophobia, the Fear of Being Without a Mobile Phone. So the psychologist wrote this article, and he said what really spurred him on to study this nomophobia was that one day he reached in his back pocket to get his phone, and he didn't find it, and he thought, well, where's my phone? I better call and see if I can find my phone. So he's going to use, he was looking for his phone to call his phone he couldn't find to find his phone. And he said, oh, man, shame washed over me as I realized the thought process I just had gone through. I don't know where my phone is. I'll just get my phone to help me find it. And then he writes, this unfortunate incident reveals two important aspects of what new research has called nomophobia. First, the feeling of anxiety or distress that some people experience when not having their phone. And second, the degree to which we depend on phones to complete basic tasks and fulfill important needs such as learning, safety, and staying connection to information and to others. Smartphones have increasingly become the tool we use to navigate and organize our daily lives, from keeping our calendars, getting directions, and communicating instantly with others to help us answer any questions we might possibly have about the state of our world or the people in it. Our dependence on devices is clearly increasing. And then he talked about the thing about what is called transitive memory, and that's when we have reliable external sources of information about particular topics at our disposal. And then when there's that, like if you can Google it, if you can look on your smartphone, um, this reduces our motivation to actually acquire and retain the knowledge that, um, on a particular topic. And, and to put it in another way is this. Okay, so if my spouse, if Pastor Steve is an expert on football statistics, then I'm going to be worse at remembering facts about football because I know I can always just go ask him. So I'm not going to remember those things as well. And in the past, the primary sources of information we could depend on to further our knowledge have been other people. But now we have a source that knows everything in our pockets. 
I mean, why bother remembering anything when we can just say, hey Siri? We can just ask our smartphones. And the research found that when it comes to acquisition and retention of information, that our brains treat our smartphones, our devices, like relationship partners. So perhaps it's not surprising that we would feel distressed or we would feel like, oh my goodness, what's going on? We get, we get worried when this relationship is lost because our partner slipped out of our pockets or is lost to us and we don't know where it is. In fact, the study shows that 66% of people have extreme anxiety if they lose their phone or if it doesn't work. And 18 to 24-year-olds, it's, it's higher than that. It's 76% of them have massive fear of not being connected online. So have you ever been somewhere and realized you didn't have your phone? Think about that for a moment. Now, when we lived in France back in the um, 94 to 99 is when we lived there, and for the first couple years, Steve had a cell phone because he needed it for work. But that was just when things were starting to get out there about cell phones for the masses, you know? So I didn't have one for a couple years. But then, after a couple of times of having to stop, like, in the middle of somewhere and find a pay phone on the corner, they still had those then, in France, and I would have to call home and say, I'm having trouble, or I'm lost, or whatever, Steve and I decided, you know, it's probably better I actually have a cell phone, too, because we had young children. So I got a cell phone, too. And, but that cell phone, you know, is that old flip phone. All it did was make phone calls. It didn't text. It didn't email. It was for emergencies, you know. So when we came back, I also got a cell phone when we came back to the U.S., and then I remember when it started doing more, you know, when the iPhones came out and they could do, wow, they could do email and text. How amazing was that? And so now we're relying on them for everything. Our calendars are on there. Everything's on our phone. Well, the other day, I left my cell phone at home when I left to go somewhere, and it almost felt to me like I forgot my wallet. I felt like it was without something that I really desperately needed, and for three hours, I was totally out of touch with everybody. And it felt really weird. Without my phone, I couldn't contact anybody. <laughs> so here's some staggering statistics. 58% of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phones. 59% check their email as soon as it comes in. And 89% check it daily on vacation. 80% of teenagers sleep with their phones. And some adults do this too. Uh, I mean, someone needs to take that phone away for like eight hours or something while they sleep. And 84% of people believe they could not go one day without their phones. That's unbelievable. Uh, how many of you would say that the last thing you do each day and the first thing you do each morning is check your phone? Yeah, I mean, okay, so everybody be real honest. I mean, you saw whose hand was up. Turn, look at them and say, this message is for you. <laughs> So about a year ago, I realized that I was using my phone as my primary means of communicating with people. You know, I wouldn't call them. I was texting or emailing. And because, you know, that was how you were con that's how most people contact people. And they expect that you're always available in the evening, at night, anytime they want to get in touch with you. 
And uh, the problem with that is that you don't hear that person's tone of voice. And so it can sound like they're really upset at you about something, and they're really not. And it was, it was really having a negative effect. And I thought, you know what, i got to start making more actual phone calls or speaking in person to people about things. And uh, just this week, I had a lot of things to do. Uh, I had appointments with people. In fact, I had an event or a meeting or a class or something each night this week, this past week. And I'd get home at 9.30 or so, and I'd get ready to go to bed, and I'd see a whole bunch of stuff, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to spend some time with Pastor Steve, and then I'm going to go to bed. And I'm not going to respond to that phone because my priority can't be always my phone. It becomes like my master driving me to answer a text or an email or to see what's going on. I mean, too much. I had to say, I have to be off the phone at night. I have to spend time with my family. And I actually have to sleep. So, Otherwise, it takes over your life, right? So lots of people have trouble sleeping. Did you know that? They've, they've said it's all of the devices we have, the blue light from computers, from TVs, all of that stuff. We have trouble sleeping, and it's due to that constant activity. And we have an ability, inability to shut down. And so we've lost this ability to know how to actually relax. Instead of using the time that we have off of work, to just relax and enjoy being with our friends and our family and enjoy God's creation or to look at the beautiful fall colors like lately, you know, or, or go for a walk. We don't do that. What happens is we pick up our phones and we start looking through them and it's become our default go-to. And we have a relationship with our phones. And I really noticed that this week at the chiropractor office. When I was sitting there, there was like seven other people sitting in the waiting area. Every single last one of them looking at their phones, doing stuff on their phones. Every single one. No one talking to anybody else. And I thought, whoa, I'm just not going to do that. I left my phone in my purse. And I thought, I'm just going to see if anyone looks up. No. For like seven, eight minutes until my appointment, nobody looked up. Everyone was on their phone just interacting with their phones. They could have been talking to each other. We could have been talking. It would have been great. Uh, Sleep specialists show us that our minds are not shutting down. We're constantly distracted. We don't work for long stretches with great productivity either. It affects us at our job because all of a sudden the smartphone buzzes or dings, and then we break our concentration. And so we find that our minds are always running, running, running. We're overwhelmed. Spiritually, we feel exhausted, and we don't know why. And we're longing for something more, and we keep going back to the same thing, and we're not finding that something more there. Because the closest thing to us in our lives is our cell phones, and we're driven by it. So our bodies need rest. We aren't getting it. Our souls need rest. Just like we sang today, our souls need rest. We need to be uh, disconnected from the notifications long enough to find some peace, some rest, some solitude, to be in God's presence, who created us to know him, to walk daily with him, and to be in this intimate, ongoing, thriving relationship with him. Rather than being wrapped up with our smartphone, with our computer, There's a lot of good things about technology, but you can be mastered by it. 
And Christ in me, that verse says, Christ in me is bigger than any addiction, you know? Christ in you is bigger than any addiction, and we don't need to be mastered by this stuff. If you find yourself thinking, there's got to be a solution to this, God has a special rest for us in Jesus Christ, and it's available for your soul. Turn with me to Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11. Starting at verse 9, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. But anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So this passage tells us that God has rest for us. He actually commands it. In Deuteronomy 20, verses 8 through 10, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. And if it was being written now, he would probably say, and stay off of social media, right? (laughs) The reason for this seventh day of rest is so we have time to disengage from all of our busy work weeks and to spend time focusing on God, to worship him, because we're rushing around all day long, every week. Uh, We're actually living in disobedience to God if it's every single day, because this word says that we need to take that day of rest. So why is it we don't find this day of rest? What are we longing for? St. Augustine said, God, you made us for yourself. O Lord, our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. And for some of you, this is where you are. Maybe your soul feels restless. And you're looking for something that brings more satisfaction, something that brings meaning, something that helps your relationships work, something that fills the void inside, and it makes you feel significant and like you have a purpose in life. Our restless soul is restless until it finds rest in him. And Jesus said, when we're weary, we can come to him. In Matthew 11, at 20, verse 28 and 29, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound awesome? Because if you're weary and you're overwhelmed and you're burdened, Jesus is calling now and saying, hey, come to him. Come by faith and he'll give us rest. He says in 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And when you come to me, you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus promises rest for us when we come through him. So what do we do? How do we find that rest in God? Well, the first thing is we need to learn to be still before God. Like we sang, be still my soul. We need to learn to be still before God. Learn to be disconnected and be in his presence and focus on him. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and focus on God. So that word still in the Hebrew means cease, relax, put off, fall limp. Doesn't that sound really good? Just fall (laughs) Quiet your soul and know he's God. Let everything fall away except for Jesus to just put off the distractions. Just relax in his presence. Psalm 131.2 says, Surely I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child 
is my soul within me. Have you ever been around a child that's not weaned and how restless they are? When Pastor Steve and I were on this plane home from Texas, when we were down there for the funeral for our dad, um, there was a child on the plane that was restless, (laughs) very restless, and screaming and crying and letting everybody know he did not want to sit still, he did not want to be still, and he didn't want to be forced to be quiet. He was not listening to his parents. And he was letting them know about it and everybody else on the plane, too. And, okay, not judging. I've been there with my own kids. But this is an example of a restless child. And what David is saying in verse 2 of Psalm 131, he's saying, I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child. And he's saying, it's not by accident. I actually had to do it. I had to still my thoughts, and I had to put myself in that place. And some of you need to understand that you need to actually speak to your soul and say, okay, be still, relax, calm down, be at rest now. Like a weaned child is my soul within me, David said. I've stilled and quieted my soul. See, a weaned child can control themselves. This is not a baby anymore. This is an older child. They They can quiet themselves. And that's the picture here, that we need to quiet our souls before God and focus on him. The French people have a saying, on se calme, on se calme, and it means we calm ourselves. See, it, you don't, we don't say, be calm. We say, on se calme, we calm ourselves when we're in a group of people, like with a family, with a child. And it's saying, you know, you need to be still. You need to quiet yourself before God. And we have that discipline then to calm our spirit to come before God and by the power of Christ just sit back and think about the goodness of God to think about who he is and what he's done for us we just need to breathe in that rest in him and breathe out all of the junk that we're having to go through and it's a gift to us that God gives us of solace and peace when we focus on him and enjoy his presence We don't come and we start, you know, God, I need you to do this, this, and this. This is just like be still in his presence. Just allow him to put that into your spirit, that rest. Be still and embrace his goodness. Be still. Maybe start with five minutes a day. I don't know how much time you take, but uh, five minutes a day to be still before God, and pretty soon you're going to see that you're going to want to do more time than that. Because if you start with five minutes and you really understand what it is to be still before him, God's going to start doing some things in your life. And pretty soon you're going to want more time than five minutes. But try and start with the five minutes and go from there. Uh, You know, what happens is that when we sit before him, when we also calm in his presence, He begins to speak to us. And that's the second thing then. The second point is to rest, is to listen to God. In Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. You see, when we listen to Jesus, we're in a place where we lack nothing. And when we're still before him, 
we receive what we need for that day, and he leads us beside those still waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. This is the, the thing of resting with him and allowing him to speak to us, to listen to him, allow him to give us perspective. And the rest we're commanded to take is of being still in those green pastures and being by those still waters and in the right paths. He guides me along the right paths. And how are we going to know what those right paths are if we are never still before him? Verse 4 says, 4 to 6 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's this rest, being able to come before him. And in the midst of all the chaos going on around us, he prepares a table before us. This is a place of rest. This is a place where he nourishes our souls. But if we're always occupied by our phone, if we're always striving, if we're always being driven by media, social or otherwise, how are we going to be able to hear his voice? How are we going to be able to rest? We need to listen to him and to follow in those right paths. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. And if you don't have a plan, a time of rest each day, a day of rest each week, you will not have a plan to get that rest for your souls. Proverbs 13, 16 says, All who are prudent act with knowledge but fools expose their folly. And in today's Living Bible, it says, a wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. So to have that time of rest, we actually have to plan it. We can't just think it's going to happen. We have to say, this time each day, I'm going to have that quiet time where I come and I rest and I listen to what God has for me. And one day a week, I'm going to take that day and I'm going to have that as a day of rest before God. I'm going to allow him to speak to me and fill me up. To not have that time of rest, you're hurting your relationship with God and with other people. So we need to have a plan. We need to figure it out. Plan what that would look like for you. Maybe you need to rearrange your work schedule. Maybe you need to take a time each day and say, that's enough. I'm putting my phone away and my computer away, and I'm not going to look at it anymore tonight. That's it. Unless it's an emergency, but I'm not going to be mastered my, by my job. I'm not going to be mastered by my phone. I'm not going to be mastered by social media. We need a plan each day. And part of that plan is one, we need to get in the Word of God. We need to let the Word nourish our souls to restore us, to renew our minds, to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And it could be Five minutes of solitude a day. When you contemplate that goodness of God and when you see what his word says. And then the second thing is we need to have a time of prayer. We as followers of Jesus Christ need to be gripped by the Holy Spirit to pray for our nation, to come humbly before God and pray. We must intentionally seek God and walk with him daily in that attitude of prayer. And the kind of prayer that says, God, speak to me. What would you show me? 
Not the kind that says, I need this, this, and this, God, but the kind of prayer that just sitting in his presence and just saying, God, what is it that you have for me today? And pray the things that God puts on your heart. And then we need a time of worship each day where we lift our heart toward heaven and we honor and praise God. And no matter where you are or what your circumstances are, you're worshiping him. We look at God's creation, the the green pastures, the still waters, the ocean, the sunset, wherever you are, you look and see what it is that God has. And it, it causes a time of rest for your soul. Bask in God's power. And then just, just meditate on that. Don't post it on social media. Don't, don't do that. Just bask in his presence. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. See, when we're still before God and when we come before him each day, we can know what that good way is. He'll show us. He'll impress it on our hearts. We can ask him, God, where is the good way? Maybe it's about a job. Maybe it's about something in your family, a relationship. Whatever it is, you can say, God, What's the good way here? I'm just going to rest in you. I'm going to trust you, Father. Show me what the good way is here. Be still and know that there's one who loves you. And he's more deserving of any worship that we have here on earth than anything else. Put him first. Seek him with all your heart. Don't allow anything else to be master over you. Allow him to give you that freedom. And come before him and be still before him each day. Would you stand with me as we close? So I just ask everyone, just bow your heads, no one looking around. Because today we're all standing at a crossroads of what we're going to do with this word from God. Will we hear God telling us that we need to have time with him each day to calm our spirits before him? Or are we going to allow those things that have mastered us to continue to rule over us? So if you want God to give you a plan for rest today, and you would say, you know what, most of the time I'm feeling driven, most of the time I am not feeling rest. If you want to be obedient to him, and you want to take that time each day, each week, to rest in him. Lift your hands right now if that's you. You want to make that statement today. Thank you. Let's close in prayer then. Father, in your presence, we're asking that you do this healing work in our lives. We thank you that the power of Christ in us is bigger than anything this world offers. We thank you for that freedom, and I thank you, Lord God, that we, by the power of Christ, never need to be mastered by anything. That when we're tempted... By the grace of God, he always will show us a better way. And I pray right now that any addiction anyone has here to social media, to whatever, 
Lord God, that they would experience your freedom as they're handing it over to you today. We're leaving that stuff at the foot of the cross. We don't want to feel driven. We don't want to feel addicted to anything. We don't want to feel like stuff is ruling over us except for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just ask you for victory over the lies that the enemy would tell us. And we ask that we can take that captive to you, Lord God. And that we would believe the truth of God instead. That no stronghold can hold us because Christ is stronger. And God, we thank you that we won't be mastered by anything. I pray that in our quiet time with you, Lord God, you'd realign our hearts to you so we would seek you first. Jesus, I thank you that you said, come to me, everyone who's weary, everyone who's overwhelmed, everyone who feels burdened. Lord, we can come to you with whatever that is the enemy has piled on us, whatever it is, and we can just leave it at the foot of the cross. Lord Jesus, you said if we give it to you, we can get rest. And so, Father, we do that today. We thank you, Lord, that we are going to have a plan each day to spend time in your presence, to receive that rest that you have for us. And Lord God, I pray you would restore our souls, that you would nourish us with the things that we need from you, that as we are still before you, that we would hear your voice, that we would listen and follow in the way we should go. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for us and for the freedom we have in you. Help us to walk it out this week. In Jesus' name, amen.